Amanda Rosani with Digital CXO, and I'm excited to be here today with Chris Pache. He is the founder and CEO of Smarter AI. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Amanda. Glad to have you on the show. So can you tell me a little bit about Smarter AI and what the company does? Sure. Smarter AI is a software platform for AI cameras. So in the same way that we have Android and iOS as software platforms for smartphones, uh, Smarter AI manages um, AI cameras and it enables each camera user to deploy different machine learning or AI models to each camera uh, to solve whatever use cases um, they may need. And then can you give a little bit for our audience a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, let's see. I'm uh, originally from Canada. Uh, I have a background in math and computer science. Um, I worked for several years um, as a software engineer. And uh, in the last several years, I've been a technology entrepreneur two or three times now. Um, a few of the uh, more noteworthy uh, projects that I've been involved with included, um, let's see, when I was back in Canada, there was something called the BlackBerry smartphone. Um, stateside, I've been involved in, I'm not sure if you remember a few years ago, there were some, uh, I thought they were fantastic commercials for a new mobile TV service from AT&T. I don't know if you're a football fan or anybody listening is a football fan, but uh, the Manning brothers teamed up for some funny uh, commercials for uh, what they called football on your phone. Uh, anyway, I was one of the people in my company was one of the companies involved in uh, putting football on your phone. I remember that. I do remember that. So I wanted to delve into the topic of federated AI and machine learning. Can you share a little bit about where we are in that technology and how that can help in digital transformation efforts? Sure. Um, so we're, we're uh, very near the beginning of federated learning. And so I think most people will be familiar with the way that AI models or machine learning models are normally trained today, which is a set of labeled data is assembled usually either on a server or in the cloud. And this data is used to uh, train the model. And then the model can be deployed sometimes uh, in, in a server or in the cloud or sometimes on an edge device. The limitation of this approach is that in some cases, if we're dealing or if we want to deal with potentially uh, personal or private information, uh, there may be a conflict because of regulations or best practices or user preferences. Companies are not able to or don't want to collect all of that data on a server or in a cloud, in cloud somewhere. And um, you know, that's where federated learning comes in. Federated learning is essentially taking the same process of training an AI model or ML model, but instead of collecting all the data in, in one place, and doing the training uh, with federated learning, the data can stay at its source or on the edge and the same or not the same process, but a different process, a federated learning process gives us the same result, which is a model that's been trained with uh, the same data. The only difference in the process being that, that the data was not collected and stored uh, you know, by a company on a server somewhere. This is something that um, it's important today, and uh, it's likely to become more and more important in the future as um, 
the need for privacy and the regulations around private information continue to evolve. So this being a fairly newer technology, how would companies that are trying to take advantage of, of this, how would they go about implementing this into their strategy? Uh, well, today there's, um, you know, we're really uh, largely in the R&D phase today. So I'm, I'm not aware of any substantial commercial deployment of federated learning. There's a lot of research going on in academics. There's a lot of research going on in some of the big public cloud companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google. And then there's also research going on in smaller or emerging companies like Smarter AI. You had um, earlier, you spoke about some other projects you were in. Tell me a little bit about those and can you share a little bit more detail? Sure. Um, so one of the first projects that I told you about was the BlackBerry smartphone. Previously, when uh, you know when I was uh, still living and working in Canada, I ran a company uh, called Eyeball Networks, which was a world leader in a very small and obscure uh, area of technology called NatTraversal. And it turned out that NatTraversal was one of the the key or foundational technologies for smartphones. And so, in the early two thousand and tens, when um, I guess thanks to certain enabling technologies, uh, we all knew that smartphones were coming. You know, we had 3G networks, we had touchscreen uh, computing. So we, we knew that smartphones were coming and it was really just a question of who was gonna figure out the product market fit first. And of course, eventually it was Apple that, that figured out the product market fit first. Um, and then shortly uh, Android and Google came shortly after that. Anyway, when this was starting to happen, the people at BlackBerry noticed that as their Blackberries were coming to their end of life, instead of replacing those old Blackberries with new Blackberries, customers were starting to replace them with iPhones. Um, and at that point, BlackBerry made the decision to develop its own smartphone, um, and they ended up using uh, the NatTraversal technology that I had developed at Eyeball um, and made that essentially one of the components of the uh, BlackBerry smartphone operating system. Uh, so that was a very, very interesting project. I actually got, in a way, I, I sort of got the idea for smarter AI. I didn't realize it at the time, but I got the initial idea during my time at BlackBerry. So I was there for about nine months. And uh, at the beginning of my time there, the stock price was about $120. By the end of nine months, I think the stock price was $6. So that was, uh, you know, that was a lesson in how quickly a market could be disrupted, you know, based on a technology transformation. I know. That's uh, crazy. So, yeah. So, so, you know, years later, a few years ago, when um, I decided I was still young enough to, to start one more company. Um, and, and before I, I decided on, on what that company would be and what smarter AI would become, you know, one of the lessons that I tried to learn from was what I had been a part of at, at BlackBerry. And so my thinking uh, when I started Smarter AI was that we were at a similar point in, let's say, the early 2020s with respect to cameras as we were 10 years earlier with respect to phones. So lots of cameras deployed all over the world, and they're all recording video or displaying it on a screen thanks to certain enabling technologies, namely neural network accelerators and machine learning models. Thanks to these technologies, 
uh, smart cameras or AI cameras would soon be feasible. And, you know, it was just a question of who would be the first to figure out that product market fit. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how a journey can lead you from that story with Blackberries, which I remember when that was the hottest thing, like uh, we were excited to have that and how that journey developed into the where you are now with federated AI and machine learning. And the fact that technology is evolving so quickly, really, like it seems like such a fast timeline with technology. Yeah. And you know, I've been, I've been in the, I've been in the, uh, in the software business or the technology business for more than 20 years now. And, you know, looking back at when I started, you know, a, a product development cycle was measured in years. You know, we would take 18 months, 24 months would be the, you know, the schedule for developing a new version of a product, you know, being software people, more often than not, we ran over schedule. But uh, usually when we drew it up on the board, it was, you know, an 18 or 20 more, you know, 24 month process, you know, whereas today we're looking at, at single digit month uh, processes for bringing new products or new versions of new products to market. So everything has accelerated in the, in the time that I've been involved in the, in the industry, including but not limited to, you know, the amount of time that we're taking for each step of innovation. Yes. And I want to ask you too about it's in the new stages, research and development, but I would think that security is going to be a concern too. So how do you tackle security when it comes to this? Yeah. So, so federated learning and, and security, those are, you know, closely related to each other. You know, obviously, you know, wh whether we're talking about the incumbent uh, public cloud companies um, or new emerging companies like Smarter AI, when companies are collecting our personal data, you know, that, that, prevents, uh, that presents uh, a privacy challenge, both uh, in that that data can be, uh, you know, shared or sold on to third parties. And we've seen examples of this a few years ago with Facebook and uh, what was it called? Cambridge Analytica. Uh, more recently, uh, Twitter and the Twitter fire hose uh, have been in the news with, uh, you know, the, the litigation uh, with Elon Musk. So those are examples of where our private information is aggregated and, and, and shared or sold to a third party. But as you pointed out, you know, there's also the... Uh, unintended breaches of our privacy, you know, data, data being, um, you know, hacked, sort of unwittingly shared with, with third parties. What, you know, what the promise of federated learning is, is it can give us all of the, uh, all of the benefits of AI and machine learning without the, both the intended or unintended, you know, breaches of our privacy. I'll give you an example. Simple example would be a face recognition model. Let's say that, um, you know, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, getting into my car, starting my car, my house, my, you know, there's all kinds of applications of face recognition. And there's lots of reasons why you and I and everybody listening to this podcast would want to have face recognition. I can't tell you the number of times my assistant or my wife has had to either go and find my keys for me or go and get a new set of keys cut for me. Now, of course, I don't necessarily want pic you know pictures of my face 
in some database in the in you know in a server or cloud somewhere that's going to be sold, um, or is maybe going to be shared with advertisers, or it's going to end up in the wrong hands. So what federated you know the promise of federated learning is companies are going to be able to train the same sort of facial recognition models at the edge without collecting and storing you know my data somewhere where uh, all these bad things can happen to it. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing about this new cutting edge technology. And I'm sure just as a lot of other technology is coming into play too, there is a lot to learn from and companies need to pay attention because it'll be a huge part of their digital transformation efforts in the near future, I'm sure. Yes, and and regulations. So companies companies are also going to need to pay. This is this is one, um, you know, this is one of the sort of emerging areas of uh, regulations, both in America and around the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you.